The Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast is brought to you by High Echelon. You can find them at highechelloncpa.com. High Echelon PC is a nationwide CPA firm in Atlanta focused on a great client experience. High Echelon provides top quality work with total transparency, so clients always know exactly what they're getting. They believe accounting doesn't need to be complicated and that clients should always get the experience they deserve, which includes top-notch accounting, tax and payroll services, timely communication, complete data flow, and the best automation and security. Book a call or drop them a line at their website, highecheloncpa.com. The Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast is also brought to you by Elemental Altitude Training Center. You can find them at elementalaltitude.com. Elemental Altitude is Atlanta's best and only altitude training facility. At Elemental Altitude's state-of-the-art indoor training center, they are capable of simulating elevation up to 24,000 feet. Training in the thinner air and lack of oxygen prompts an increase in red blood cells, meaning that more oxygen can be delivered to your working muscles on race day. Athletes undertaking all sorts of goals from rugged mountain climbs to flat sea level marathons to Ironman triathlons train in the hypoxic environment created at Elemental Altitude. I trained there several times myself ahead of my successful race at the London Marathon in 2022. In addition, Elemental Altitude hosts a variety of physiological testing such as sweat testing, blood lactate testing, VO2 max testing, and a variety of metabolic testing which can tell you your resting metabolic rate and the types and amounts of fuel you're burning at different training and racing intensities. Drop them a line at info at elementalaltitude.com if you have questions or you want to set up an appointment. Again, their website is elementalaltitude.com. The Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast is also brought to you by Blue Pineapple Travel. You can find them at bluepineappletravel.com. Blue Pineapple Travel is an agency of experienced travel advisors who help you design the perfect trip. Blue Pineapple Travel advisors are all well-traveled and knowledgeable, and they will be your advocates from start to finish. They love to help people plan their travel, whether it's for a race, a family trip, a weekend getaway, or the trip of a lifetime. Their goal is to match you with the trip that you want. Relaxation or adventure, traveling solo or with a group inside the U.S. or abroad, Blue Pineapple Travel can plan exactly the trip that you want. Find them online at bluepineappletravel.com and see some of the great places that folks who have worked with Blue Pineapple Travel go on their Instagram, at bluepineappletravel. Finally, the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast is brought to you by ITL Coaching and Performance. You can find them at itlcoaching.com. ITL Coaching and Performance's mission is to build a community of athletes set on reaching goals and serving the community. They have a passion for helping people achieve their goals and dreams. ITL coaches are real people with phones, emails, and the desire to spend time with you during your training. They are vested in ITL athletes. ITL takes a communal approach to coaching, so there's always someone available to answer questions and to help adjust the training schedule. An ITL coach will be glad to meet with you to chat about your goals and to find the best plan to help you meet those goals. Again, their website is itlcoaching.com. Thanks to all of our sponsors who help us bring you the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast. Welcome back to the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast, brought to you by ITO Coaching Performance, Blue Pineapple Travel, High Echelon PC, and Elemental Altitude Training Center. My name is George Darden. I'm an endurance athlete and coach in Atlanta, Georgia. I'm the father of twin boys, and I'm a college professor. My name is Michelle Frank. I'm also an endurance athlete in Atlanta, Georgia. I'm a mom to three girls and a CPA. And I'm Eric Cole. 
I'm an endurance athlete and coach in Raleigh, North Carolina. I am the father to three baby adults and the <laughs> husband to a beautiful wife, Melissa. And I love how George chuckles every time I call my kids baby adults, but it is the most accurate term that Melissa has ever come up with and appropriate for this forum. <laughs> I, I, I'm on board with it. I think it's great. I think it's funny, but, but, but yeah, clearly I have not become accustomed to it enough yet that I don't still find it funny every time that you say it. So very good. Hey, Eric, I'm glad to see you again. It has been not very long since we bid farewell to one another post Blue Ridge Relay, since that's what we're going to be talking about today. Um, you look good, man. You look roughly the same as when uh, you and I parted ways five days ago. Well, I take that back. I hope I look a little bit better. <laughs> I was going to say. <laughs> I, mean, I, I take that back. You look the same in terms of like, you know, the length of your hair and the gray in your beard and things like that. But but yeah, you look a little bit more rested than you did when I saw you last Sunday, for sure. For sure. Um, how are you recovering? I'm definitely more rested. I'm definitely more rested. You know, I, I have a 12-hour race tomorrow that we're doing for my daughter Grace's birthday. Uh, the Doggettville, Doggettville 12-hour, which you've talked about before, right? Yep. John Doggett's Doggettville 12 hour. We're really excited about it. Um, so this week I did no running. I don't plan to run a step until the gun goes off for the 12 hour. I did a couple of rides. The first one was, I was tired, but it, I'm not, I wasn't sore. And the second one I did last night and actually or yesterday afternoon. And I, I felt really good. I feel, I feel like I'm, I feel like recovery this year was much faster and um and more effective than previous years uh, previous years i'd come home and try to run three miles a couple days after the event and to be you know the ow 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 why am i doing this <laughs> i i feel like if i had wanted to run i could have mm-hmm. um I'm, I'm definitely not as destroyed uh physically as previous years good um so yeah i think i think as we talk about the blue ridge relay i might be able to alliterate why i think that is but i'm i'm actually doing a whole lot better than previous years good 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 to hear that um very good in in previous years because you mentioned like trying to go for a three mile run and being like ow 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 in previous years have you run in between these two events because i know you've doubled up on these two events a couple of times right um this would be this will be the fourth time i've doubled up the first year, it was two weeks after Blue Ridge Relay, so that was a little bit easier. Mm-hmm. The The second two years, which last year they didn't have it, so it was the, the, the second two years we did it. Grace would enjoy taking me for a run on either Sunday night or Monday um, okay. for the sheer joy of watching her dad painfully <laughs> slug through three miles. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. Um, so yes, uh, typically I'm running between the two events. And I think that also comes back to, I wasn't really into the Zwift thing. I didn't have mm. this other option yeah. and I wanted to get some sort of movement in, um, mm. with the Zwift option and with some of the changes I've made to my training lately, I thought that was a better option this year. Very good. Very good. Well, cool, man. Uh, and you mentioned Grace's birthday, right? Didn't you say that, that one that of the baby correct. adults here, who is also, we should say, a friend of the podcast, because after she ran a 100-mile race, we brought her on and talked about it. Um, but the so she's run two 100-mile races now, of course. Yeah, we came, we talked to her after she did the Keys 100, um, uh, which was her second one. Um, but, uh, but how old is she turning? So Grace will be 20. She will be 20 on Saturday. And she doesn't, I don't think she knows the scope of it, 
but this is a true birthday party where we are bringing her friends in. Uh, we've paid for their race entry. We're coordinating with them external to grace. There will be, obviously it's an ultra, so there'll be food and drink, uh, but we're going to bring some special uh, things to the race as well. Oh, man. Um, uh, Carrington, uh, who we haven't had on the podcast, but I talk about a lot on the podcast. She will be there also. So it's gonna, it's gonna be fun. Good. Very good. Today is my wife's 40th birthday. My wife, the, uh, the owner and founder of blue pineapple travel. Uh, and so we have a, a big party for her tomorrow, celebrating both her 40th birthday and the fifth anniversary of the founding of blue pineapple travel. So, uh, well, since Casey always listens to the podcast, I'll just go ahead and take a moment and say happy birthday, Casey. <laughs> I really know. appreciate you sharing George with us. You know, just wanted to make sure I put that out there. Awesome. I'm very awesome. sad to miss this party, by the way. Well, I usually get an Evite and I if I can't go, it's no big deal. And I'm just like, eh, whatever. I don't want to go anyway. <laughs> and this one is like, oh no, it's on Rosh Hashanah. I'm so sad. It looks this so is, fun. You guys are gonna is, have the best time. It's gonna be a fun party, yeah. And and we should say also, Michelle, you're missing it for a perfectly legitimate reason. Happy New Year to you. Happy Rosh Hashanah. Thank you. So you have lots of people coming to your house, a couple of people coming to your house, a lot of preparation, a little preparation. I feel like we had the same conversation last year. It's like the same people. It's just the five of us. And then my next door neighbors that also have three kids. And then I think my dad and his wife, and I think they also came last year and mm-hmm. um, they, they just like kind of a fast meal and none of these Jewish holiday meals are that fast. Um, so I told him tonight, like, don't come before eight. Cause I don't think we'll start till eight 30 ish. And he's like seven 45. And I'm like, no, like eight o'clock or later because i don't i don't need them sitting around for you know longer than they they get antsy okay um but yeah no everybody but your dad's in his 70s man waiting to waiting to eat till eight o'clock or 8 30 for a 70 something year old man that's that's tough my dad doesn't eat dinner typically before 7 30 like it's the opposite when we're all together i want to eat at five and he (laughs) seven seven o'clock is um like i'm committing a crime against him (laughs) vendetta so no it's good my you know we i've had the table set for a few days i'm sitting on um a tax extension deadline today also so i I'm really good at getting everything done so that this day is not like absolute chaos, even though it just takes on its own chaos because of the impending doom at sundown. So yeah. <laughs> the impending doom, which is the new year uh, coming yeah, at that's sundown. Right. So uh, very good. Very good. Yeah. Uh, well, we appreciate you making time for us, Michelle, uh, amidst everything you have going on. Are you making time to run and do strength work? Um, so I ran 10 miles this morning. Um hey. That, that, that's some solid multitasking, Michelle. Excellent. Yeah. So, and actually, and I wanted to go, I'm having this recurring, I'm going to start my run at 530 and I got stuck doing something. So I started it at 630 and there's mm. just too much traffic. And then I got dumped rain on and mm. I love my ASIC super blast, but man, there is no grip on those shoes. Mm. I mean, you are just, you do not want to be on wet roads in those. Right. Um, so I saw I, I saw on Strava that you named that run wrong period shoes yeah, period because the whole it's the minute it starts raining you're I'm just thinking like I'm gonna die because I'm gonna slip on wet asphalt. Yeah, that's um, good. You know, also I, they're just, white. Can I, can I just yeah. mention something, Michelle? You have said this about many shoes. Hmm. Uh, you said this about the Puma DVA. No, the Puma grip is the best. There's nothing like Puma grip. Oh, and it was this. It was the Saucony. It no, was it's the, the New Saucony. Balance. So I once took the Saucony Speed Ones to the track. I'm wondering if this is a track. Michelle issue. No, it's not. <laughs> it's a, the actual 
It's the actual rubber on the bottom of the shoes. I once took the speed ones to the track and yes. the track that we ran on um, before that it was resurfaced, you run through a, I don't know, how would you describe it, George? It's like a like pond. A like a lake. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Was... Like a lake. Yeah. Um, yeah. And when it's raining, they were just, they were crazy slick on that, but it is, I'm very sorry, but some shoes have a much better grip on wet roads than other mm -hmm. shoes. Mm -hmm. um, but the track surface was its own issue. So mm -hmm. I would say okay. on the roads, okay. the new balance um, in the ASICs, but I think the ASICs are, it's wild how I just feel like I'm slipping and sliding, even if I'm not on a white line, which is terrifying. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. So yeah, the other day I ran in the rain and I changed shoes before I left because it was raining when I started. Um, and I never think about feet placement or slipping, but today I was... <laughs> the rain met me on my run. Um, and also these are white shoes. And so they got really dirty and that's, Oh no. Also, oh, so. that's yeah. the tragedy of it. Yeah. yeah the it's... grip, the grip was probably just fine. The, the, the heartbreaking thing, the <laughs> reason why they're the wrong fine. shoes is because they got dirty. Uh, your white shoes got dirty. Uh, do you it's know like... where else, do you know where else it rained recently, Michelle? On the Blue Ridge Relay? During the Blue Ridge Relay, you guessed like it. Like <laughs> mile 16 or something? <laughs> something like that, yeah, yeah. Leg um, 16, am I so close? There was, like... there, was, there was some summer storms for sure. Uh, it, uh, the weather was not the ideal weather. It was not perfect weather. It was pretty good, um, but we definitely had a few different stretches there where uh, where we got caught in the rain some. So, so yeah, let's talk about it. Another successful Blue Ridge Relay um, for me and for Eric and for our team, the GT milk and cookie boys uh, the other people on the team are dave of course who's the driver he runs that opening leg which is just short of four miles which is often the only run he does the entire year but notably this year he actually did a training run or two um, and he also switched from wearing a pair of ons to a pair of hoka bondies because um, he found oh. them on sale um, <laughs> um, and so Dave got his one run done and actually ran pretty well. Uh, I think he ran slightly faster than he, than he has in the past. Um, Brian, who, uh, came from Annapolis, Maryland, uh, who had a heavy crash during a half Ironman a couple of months ago, broke his hip and separated his shoulder. Um, he was able to come and he was still able to run five times. So that was pretty good. Um, uh, Lee, who is the captain of the team and the founder of the team, uh, ran uh, si seven times. Um, Brett uh, from Mount Pleasant, South Carolina, also ran seven times. Uh, and your podcast co-hosts, George and Eric, each ran eight times. Um, so put all that together. And that is uh, 36 stages of the Blue Ridge Relay 2023. Uh, we won our division again. We won the Masters Ultra Men's Division, which is pretty good. We got beat by, I want to say, maybe four or five other ultra teams um, that weren't masters ultra teams. They were just ultra teams. Uh, and we finished some. They probably had around. six people. So, and they probably had six people, each of whom were in six legs. Uh, and they were also under the age of 40. Um, and, uh, and, and then we finished somewhere around 15th, 16th, something like that, Eric, isn't that right? Overall uh, amongst the, amidst the roughly 155 teams that were out there. Um, and so, so got to feel pretty good about that too. So overall, I'd say it was a, it was a pretty good performance and I, for one, am already looking forward to next year. Um, Eric, how would you assess the, the team overall? How would you, how would you give the two sentence summary of how it went for us? Well, I can just sum it up in three words, <laughs> hilariously, highly successful. Okay. 
Very good. And hilariously, because of course we enjoy hanging out with one another, right? Um, we always have a yes. good time being together and 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 actually saying our inside jokes to one another in person <laughs> um, <laughs> and, and getting off the text threads and and all that stuff so so yeah we uh we we definitely had a very good time as usual it was funny um we always text afterwards um and we always start talking about next year uh and what we can change and and what we felt like we did well and what we didn't feel like we did so well we always send out emails and texts afterwards uh just reflecting on the race and it was funny because I said almost from the start, I was like, great, looking forward to next year. Um, and I even joked with y'all that I'm going to need to run it at least four more times if, in fact, I'm going to be able to check off every leg. All the legs. So every right. stage, yeah, um, at least four more times and probably more than that. Um, and Lee responded, you know, this is my 10th time running it, sixth time with this team, sixth time with this group. Um, and he had run it four times with various other groups prior to, to bringing us all together in 2018. And he said, you know, and part of me was thinking, yeah, I'm kind of done with this race. Maybe this is the end of it. Um, and he said, no, actually, you've, you you all have talked me into it. I enjoyed it enough. Let's gear up and reload for next year. Um, what do you think, Eric? Are you on board for next year? I'm on board for as many years as this body will hold out. And <laughs> you guys are willing to do it. That's kind of you know, how I feel about it, too. Yeah. As we got closer to this year, uh, we started joking because more and more people were injured in some way, shape, or form. Mm -hmm. And Grace actually said to me, so at what point is it just you and Brett running 104 and a half miles a piece? <laughs> and I said, I don't know when we get to that point. But Why would it be you and Brett? <laughs> Why wouldn't it be me and Lee? <laughs> well... We I can understand why Brian is not one himself. of those combinations, but well, we were assuming Lee was going to hurt himself. Um, and then uh, you were complaining about your Achilles. And I figured uh, Berlin was more important than the Blue Ridge Relay from a running perspective. We knew you would be mm. there, mm. but from a running perspective, I figured Berlin was more important. So, yeah. Very Do you good. guys feel like you have race amnesia, like really quickly? Like... <laughs> You mean like <laughs> like selective recall like, for the race itself? Yeah, like the communication from the race. Like this is good for you guys at the start, and then when it gets bad, <laughs> it gets so bad. You guys are so miserable. So like it's, the video. I, well, of Eric there's a there's a parallel well. though there, Michelle. It's it's I'm not really looking forward to the first mile of my next run. However. I'm really enjoying the experience. And once you get through that first half mile mile, oh, okay, this is running again. And then, and then you're good. Um, and it's it also about, like. Not, not your miles that you're about to run. What is it about this race that you guys just can't move past that you just, is it the people? I think you need to it experience it. It has to be the people. It. I think it's the people. You need yeah. to experience it. I, yeah. That's fine. But I, going in, I think it would just be its own suffer fest. I mean, no. okay, you, so, George's so message from from 9 a.m. to 9 p.m., the, the, the turn of shit starts falling apart for, you know, this person and this person and this person. And the yeah. videos, Eric, of you finishing your last leg, you look like death, literally. Like <laughs> No, no, that was my second to last leg. <laughs> oh, that's right. That's even worse. I mean, and it's like 72 hours later and you guys are like, I'm going to do this at least four more years. Okay, I'm going to do so this until I can't. So I, I think there's a few reasons. And and, and let Please me say, I, I, as, as a quick aside, let me say that, that I feel like ultimately 
like our running this will come to a natural end. Like something will happen and and like we won't be able to do it one year. And so for me, I just presume to continue to plan to do it until it forces itself to stop. Um, Agreed. So so but, but that, that's kind of a side note. So to address what, what you just said specifically, Michelle, I think there's a couple of things. Um, one, it's that we all just really enjoy the experience of being there together. Uh, and so the running is part of it. Um, but the fellowship with our friends is, is a big part of it as well. I, I had a conversation with uh, with Dave, the driver, at one point, um, and I said, I said, I really like hanging out with my people, like people who are my people. And I feel like there are multiple occasions in my life where I have to hang out with people who are not my people um, in a variety of ways. And so it's nice to have a weekend starting from when Dave picks me up on Thursday afternoon until we all say goodbye to one another and Dave drops me off on Sunday around midday. That's like three full days of me just hanging out with people that I consider to be my people. And so, so that, that is it. That's a huge part of it for sure. Um, uh, and so, so the fact that I have to run, you know, close to 50 miles and some of them <laughs> might not be all that comfortable. Well, maybe that's the price I need to pay or I have to pay in order to get to hang out with my people. That's one reason. Um, the second reason is is that like, I think this is true about running in general, but but like endurance sports in general and running in general, um, sometimes it doesn't go well and that sucks. But then when it does go well, it's really awesome. Um, and so so I do think that that there have been times when, yeah, I ran poorly or something hurt or like the last. Did you hear me say here in just a few minutes the last two point three miles of this race? were ugly for me. I mean, they really hurt me bad, but the rest of it I actually really enjoyed. And, and I finished stage 15, which is the one I was so nervous about. And I was really jazzed about my performance and, and was really kind of on a high from that. And so essentially, I guess what I'm saying is that the the, the good outweighs the bad, that that sometimes things go really wrong and, and can get ugly. But but to me, and this is the reason why I kept on doing it for 30 years, when when things go really well, they outweigh the bad. Do you know, um, so th that that would be the two things I would suggest. I mean, Eric, would you add anything to that? I would add things happen in ultras that don't necessarily happen in shorter races, and maybe you know you might experience this in a in a marathon too. But this year was the first year that I felt like this is over and I recovered. So, you know, I, I ran a stage where about halfway through, I didn't stop. Um, but if you look at the run, it looks like a reverse progression because I literally every mile was slower than the mile before it. Mm -hmm. it. It wasn't a bad, necessarily a bad performance or an unexpected performance for that leg at that point in the race. Was that was that but leg 22, 27, which 27, one was that? 27, it was yeah. 27. And, and George, you met me at the end of that leg yeah. and you escorted me into the porta potty where I fell asleep. <laughs> and then you woke me up in a one few second. minutes later. I didn't get a <laughs> picture so, of that. It's, escorting yeah. to the porta potty. Let's be clear. That just meant he I pointed followed you while you walked over towards them. Yeah. I wasn't actually yeah. like literally toting your body in there or opening the door for you or doing any other thing in order to help you That's get your point. business done. That's a very good yeah. point. Yeah. So, but, so let's be, let's be clear on that. I don't think anybody on the team 
thought that I was going to get out of the van at 31 and be as successful on leg 31 as I was. I think, I think you guys, you guys were concerned. Everyone was concerned. Mm-hmm. And, but I did get out of the van. Uh, the first mile was tough, but I ended up sending setting a five or six minute PR on a leg that I've now run three times. Mm-hmm. And I, I actually felt like I did everything I could there. And it, it was way, way better than I expected. So I would say, Michelle, this race affords an opportunity to go through things and this being one of them that just doesn't come up anywhere else. And, and it can remind you, prove to you that you can't just do hard things. You can do hard things, fall apart, recover and keep going, you know? And I, I, so I think there's, there's a draw to this race because of that, because I would say this, if I didn't have other people relying on me, this might've been a totally different outcome. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, I knew that I had to get out of the van and go stand there and wait for Lee to come in from 30 and at least try 31. I knew that. that And and 31, we should say, is is one of the, if not the hardest legs in the race. So 31 is six and a half miles and and it you have about a mile flat and then it just goes straight up for five and a half miles. Um, and it's did... two and a half miles flat and then it's okay. uh, 4.7 miles it's two miles flat and then 4.7 miles at a six to nine percent grade right um and it's just relentless um uh, it just goes on and on and on and on uphill and you yeah. did that you did that leg for the first time in 2018 and and that was the first year that we did it and you struggled that year and you basically hiked the entire leg um or at least the entire uphill um and i remember Good portion of it so, so and I, I remember I still give you a hard time about it because because I, you handed off to me in 2018 at the top of the hill and I could see yep. you about 200 meters from the finish and <laughs> finishes in sight and I'm there and I'm waving to him like, come on, Eric. And you hiked the last 200 meters. And I was like, dude, you're done. Just run. <laughs> and you didn't. You hiked it because that's how that's how wiped out you are. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I, and I can say that I, for one. Yeah. And I, and I, and I say that everybody was, was probably the same way. Um, I, I kind of expected that same sort of thing again, based on how you looked after 27 and based on the fact that you had been struggling, based on the fact that you had curled up into a ball in the side of the van for the entire time between 27 and 31. I kind of figured that, that, that yeah, you were just going to kind of get out and you were going to walk it and, and it was going to be something similar to 2018. So I was I was pleasantly surprised when, in fact, we saw you coming up the switchbacks. We saw you coming up that hill and you were running. Um, yeah. So how did you do that, Eric? Like, because I, I did see the image of you curled up in a ball in the back of the van. That's <laughs> nice. M- M- Michelle, Michelle might've gotten a selfie with me holding a Coca-Cola <laughs> and giving a thumbs up with Eric, like, like wiped out in and a I, ball in the background. I, Maybe. I, I don't know. She might've gotten that. <laughs> I deeply, I deeply feel the sentiment of, I don't think anyone in the van thought that I was going to get out and, and run again type of situation because yeah, so michelle didn't because so, michelle didn't think so either and she wasn't even in the van that's fair <laughs> so to, so to recap how that played out everybody in the van knew just leave him alone nobody tried to encourage me nobody tried to ask me any questions it was when we parked at the end of leg 30 the beginning of leg 31 that brian just looks over the seat at me and and i i'd kind of woken up because the van had stopped moving and he says you should probably start getting ready you've got about 20 <laughs> minutes mm-hmm. And that was it. I think those are the only words said to me. And at the same time, the funny thing is, Brett's like, open the door, open the door. I got to get out of the van. <laughs> and he starts dry heaving and puking yeah. all over the. 
the field Brett there. Puked? Yeah. Oh, so every year. So, Br- oh. Brett Brett throws up some amount every year. That's okay. just sort of his mo. Um, but it was particularly rough this year for some reason that and and he actually said that afterwards he didn't feel better. Normally he feels a little bit better after throwing up. Um, but yeah, he was on leg twenty eight. Um, so it was the the leg after Eric had struggled and fallen asleep in the bathroom and that sort of thing. It's an eight mile leg. Um, and Brett got to the last two miles of that eight mile leg on 28. And those last two miles took him about half an hour. Um, and the reason why they took him so long is because he kept having to stop and pull off and throw up like over and over and over and over again. Um, and so, so yeah, he he said he uh, puked six to nine times on that. Right. Are you guys listening to yourselves? Eric (laughs) fell asleep in the bathroom. Brett puked six to nine times. Like. (laughs) <laughs> i don't know guys I just... so, so, brett, so brett pulled it together and ran one more time after that he pulled it together and ran again on 32 not an easy leg either so yeah leg. which which is a nine mile entirely downhill leg the first half of which is on gravel um and then handed off to me to do 33 and then we had planned for him to do the first part of 36 and for me to do the last part of 36 but because he was so wiped out i ended up doing all of 36 um which is part of the reason why when I got to the last two and a half miles of the entire relay, I was about spent. I was about done. Yeah. That was a nice quiet flex. That was a nice quiet flex. <laughs> um, so, I'm not I'm not sure precisely which flex you're talking about, but but uh there's been a lot of them. Subtle. <laughs> um so so what did Michelle's you guys questions? Yeah. Sure. What did you do right and and what did you do that you wish you hadn't done? Hmm. George has talked a lot. So I, I think this is a great question because I actually talked about some of these things before some things that I was going to change for this year. Right. Uh, h- hydration and fueling. I was on point this year. Mm-hmm. I, I, and, and I made that a goal of mine after Silver Rush 50 to say, fix this. And I, I hydrated with um, appropriate amounts between each leg. I carried water when I needed to carry water. I had the van hand me water when the van needed to hand me water. I, I really, not, it wasn't water. I was tailwind, tailwind, tailwind. Everything was tailwind. I, I did throw like one element in because I felt like my salt was off. And I, I was like, oh, I need to get an element in. I think I hit myself with one liquid IV. We did the math. George, I want to say we calculated like I drank four, almost five gallons of water. Bag. Over the, Jeez. It, and and I can say 100% truthfully, I have never consumed probably two thirds of that much um, liquid during an event, and and it that that was key. That that was, I think, how I recovered and continued to run 31, and then struggle through 35. But I I, I did finish 35. Um, so, but um. Yeah, I think that was that was the number one for me. It was the hydration and fueling. You know, I carried, I ran what we call it's the first real Blue Ridge Parkway leg. I think it's a 9.31 mile leg yeah, into 13. yeah, leg 13. I've run that previously, really struggled on it. I just said, well, I'm gonna carry 50 ounces of water. You know, I'm gonna carry 50 and 15 ounces of tailwind. I gotta keep saying that. And that was key. Like I never really struggled on that leg. I just kept motoring through it. And I think having that hydration, which I did not have on the previous legs, the van never passes you. So you can't get it. There's not water stands. 
you know, and, and you're, I'm on my, what is that fourth leg at this point or third leg at this point. So I'm, mm-hmm. I'm deep into the race and it's exposed. It's, you know, sun. Mm-hmm. Um, I did get some cloud cover, but I, I think hydration and fueling, I, I was really on point this year. And it's like 6 PM. So it's still pretty warm. Um, yep. when, when we hit that. Yeah. Okay. So tell me this, Eric, and this is going to sound like I'm playing gotcha with you and I'm not, I swear. Um, so, so, so when you started falling apart after 27 and you said 13 was, was tough. And so, so it was kind of a gradual thing, 13, then you did 18, then you did 23, then you did 27. Right. Um, and so, so then 27, which is not short, that's a 15 kilometer leg. That's 9.3 miles. Right. All right. Um, and, and so after that one, you were, you were kind of wiped out and, and you fell asleep. Like, so it wasn't nutrition and hydration. What was it? Like what happened? Um, so it was, I think I carried 50 ounces on 27 also, and I couldn't get them down. And I, I don't know what it was, but I didn't drink everything I should have on 27. And I want to say that I may have, okay, so yeah, you got a little bit of a gotcha here. I may have overdone the sugars a little bit and I need okay. to figure Ooh. that piece out because- That's hard. One thing that I did really smart early in the race is, is I was after every leg, I ate about a third of a can of Pringles mm-hmm. and I ran out of Pringles. And I think that that's a really I good, too. like bland food mm-hmm. to eat. Yep. But I tried to recover from that by drinking more uh, sugary liquids. And I mm-hmm. think it caught up with me on 27 to okay. where I had too much. And, you know, that gave me some basically I, I had some gastrointestinal issues. Right. And so yeah. right before 27 and right after 27. Um, so I think that's what got me there, but it wasn't okay. necessarily, I was overhydrated or, yeah. or whatnot. Cause, that, um, cause what, that's what you said. You said that you, you, after 27 and, and I'm trying to think of a delicate way of saying this, but you said that you felt terrible and you weren't sure whether you needed to throw up or take a dump. Um, exactly. <laughs> and, and, and so, Yeah. Uh, and that makes sense, actually. So it was the gastrointestinal stuff that was bothering. It's not because you hadn't drank enough. It was because, yeah, your system was off for some reason. Yeah. But I think the, a testament to the fact that, like, I did eventually get, I think maybe my salts had been off. And that was when I, like, took a liquid IV or an element or something. Mm-hmm. And when I did get that back in in step, that's what made 31 possible. Mm-hmm. Like, it wasn't that I wasn't tired for 31 or I wasn't sore for 31 but I still had energy. And I don't think in the previous two years, I had any previous two attempts at 31. I had any energy left at that right. point. You, yeah. And in, um, in the past you had, you had a bonk, for, you know, to, to, right. to use the lingo, right? Like, like you would, you would run yeah. out of fuel, you would run out of liquids, that sort of thing. Whereas this time you didn't have a bonk. It's just that your system was, was making you feel terrible. <laughs> you right. still, you still right. had fuel in your system. It's just the system itself was actually making you feel bad. That's what I feel like. So like the lesson learned there, I think is Pringles are, are the, the go-to for me. I really, I I mean, Pringles, Pringles are, are are my go-to. And, and so, so the funny thing about you saying that that you ran out of Pringles, I did too. So I, I normally buy two cans of Pringles and I ended up eating all of them by the end, but this time I only bought one. And then I additionally bought a, a, a bag of chili cheese Fritos 
because my my one of my sons is really into chili cheese Fritos right now. No, and no. and I tend to sometimes be, and I think I might have said this before on the podcast, but I tend to be very nostalgic when it comes to racing in general, like with the kit that I decide to wear um, and, you know, putting on temporary tattoos and things like that. And so the fact that one of my sons is really into chili cheese Fritos, um, I, you know, I, I was like, this feels like appropriate, like I'm bringing my son along with me on the right, you know, something like that, right? Um, I, and I should have just left him in the store and, and bought a second bag, a can of Pringles. <laughs> I should have too. Yeah. We okay. bumped into each other, like right at the Pringle purchase point in the store. Too. <laughs> and I think I actually looked at you and said, I kind of feel like I need two of these, but I'm just going to go with one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I should have listened. So yeah, I had, I had, uh, Pringles and Chex Mix and, and, um, uh, chili cheese Fritos, uh, and Skittles. Um, and it was funny because I normally eat Starburst jelly beans rather than Skittles. Um, and I was like, I like both of these candies. I'll just eat Skittles. They didn't have Starburst jelly beans at the Ingles and Boone. Um, and I was quickly reminded literally at the very beginning of the race, uh, why it is that I actually prefer Starburst jelly beans. And it's because Skittles can get hard to chew. Um, like literally chewing <laughs> like your jaw gets tired, whereas jelly beans are not hard to chew. Right. But, but Skittles can actually or they're almost too chewy, like, and your jaw gets tired and yeah. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, that's what I used to fuel throughout the entire race as well. Uh, Michelle, to answer your question, the thing that I feel like I did right. Um, and so I said before we actually did the race that I was nervous about stage 15. So stage 15 is the grandfather mountain stage It's the longest stage in the race. It's 10 and a half miles long. Um, I said it would take me probably about 69 minutes. That's what it took me last time when I did it in 2019. But when I did it in 2019, it kind of wrecked me for the rest of the race. And 2019 was the only time when I really had a bad race at the Blue Ridge Relay in the six times that we've done it. Um, and and so I was super dehydrated um, in 2019 after I did uh, stage 15 and then had to follow that up with stage 21, which is also very difficult as well and very long, um, and which Lee did this year. Um, and so for me, I was like, my big goal is to go into stage 15, well-fueled, well-hydrated, um, and, and come out the other side of it, having run well, but also not completely destroyed myself for the remainder of the race. Like that was my overarching goal uh, for the Blue Ridge Relay this year. Um, and I did that and I feel good about that. Um, I, I took a, I was really bolstered by just my performance on that stage. I thought it was good. Um, I actually did fa stages five and stage 10. I'd never done either one of those before. Um, and they were later in the day and it was kind of hot um, when, when I was doing both of those stages. And nonetheless, I managed well to, to keep my temperature down and to, to be hydrated despite the fact that, that I ran two really, really hot legs before I even got to stage 15. So, so yeah, that was the thing that I felt like I did really well. Um, the thing that I felt like I did not so well is, uh, I, I basically, and this is similar to what, what, what Eric said. Um, I basically ran out of energy or ran out of willpower for fueling and hydrating in the last few hours of the race. Um, uh, like I was really on it and good about fueling and hydrating. I was using goo roctane and I was using chocolate milk and water and diet Coke. And I was really on it with those things and drinking a lot and, and fueling well up through about 
about through stage 29, I would yeah, say. Yeah, because it becomes a chore. Yeah, exactly. You don't have the capacity um, to, yeah. Yeah, and, and up through about stage 29, like I fueled well for stage 29, but then after stage 29, I only thought I had like one and a half runs left, basically. And so so I, I didn't quite fuel as well post-29, and then I didn't quite fuel as well post-33. Um, and, and because of that, I think that in those last two and a half miles of the last stage the last, of 36, um, I just ran out. Um, I, I, I the, the first six miles plus are downhill. Um, and then you have this flat section along the river and then you have an uphill last mile, a vicious uphill last mile. Uh, and I was did fine running down the hill, but then I'm running along the flat and I'm going past like these kids soccer games and stuff. And I was like, I'm done. Like, like <laughs> done. I, don't, I was, I was like, I'm, I'm, yeah, this is it. I, and I, and I was like, all right, just back off, George. It's cool. Don't like dig this real deep hole because you have the Berlin Marathon in two weeks. Just back off and just, just jog it in. And and even though I backed off and jogged it in, like my heart rate stayed high and my breathing stayed, like like at that yeah, point you're I, done. I was I was in the red, yeah, yeah. And there's no coming back out of it at that point. And so and then of course, like I said, I hit the gigantic hill in the last mile. And it doesn't matter, you know, how much you try not to run up the gaseous creek climb there to the Highland Brewing Company where the where the finish line is like that's going to take something out of you. Um, and so, yeah, I was pretty sore the, the, the first couple of days after the race, um, much sore than I was last year. And I, I chalk most of that up to the last leg. <laughs> if I hadn't run like 36, <laughs> I think I probably actually would have been okay. But then running downhill and being kind of dehydrated and underfueled, um, kind of hitting the wall a little bit. Um, I actually, I think most of that soreness literally came from that nine mile final leg of the race. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. Okay. What what um what shoes did you wear for that last like? Uh okay, good question about the shoes. So Michelle, you will appreciate this. I brought fewer shoes than I've ever brought to the Blue Ridge Relay. Um, but yet I wore all of them. <laughs> yeah, that's perfect. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so I only brought three pairs of running shoes plus my recovery shoes, right? So four pairs of shoes total. Um, I ran the first two legs in the Saucony Endorphin Speeds, still like version one, because that's the version that I like. Um, I ran the entire race in those shoes last year, um, but I ran the first two legs in those shoes. I ran the third leg, which was that long 10 and a half mile um, uh, Grandfather Mountain leg, uh, stage 15. I ran that in my Puma Fast R Nitros. Um, and so my marathon racing shoe, I, I, I wore for that one. Um, and then my Achilles was, was hurting enough during that leg. Um, and, and after that run that I decided that I needed to do the next run, which for me was stage 20, um, in my deviate nitros in my regular training shoes. Um, and my Achilles felt so good after 20, so much better after 20 and during 20 than it did during 15, that I, it was funny. I called up my wife and was talking to her because she was in Hawaii six hours behind. So I could call her in the middle of the night. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and I said to her, yeah, I, I felt a whole lot better wearing my training shoes here for this stage. She goes, so you're pretty much wearing your training shoes for the remainder of the race. Right. And I was yes. like, yeah, I'm pretty much wearing my training shoes for the remainder of the race. <laughs> and so, so yeah, so, so all the remainder of the race. So 20, 25, 29, 33, and 36, I wore my regular deviate nitros, which are my, you know, go-to easy run shoes. Yeah. And that's been your experience in those shoes from the beginning. Like right. they probably aggravate your Achilles less than anything else that you own. Yeah. 
Yeah. And that's the reason why they're my default shoes. Um, and so, yeah, when I got to the finish, I was, I was, I, I, it was funny because I finished stage 15, really happy with how I had run, but nervous about how much my Achilles was hurting. Sure. Um, I was like, I have five more times to run here. I'm roughly mileage wise halfway through. Um, uh, and I'm worried about my Achilles holding up. Um, and, and then it was funny because I ran a much shorter stage 20 and my Achilles didn't hurt after that one. And I, actually, I finished stage 20 on a on a bigger high, on a higher high than I did stage 15 because my Achilles wasn't hurting anymore. Um, so I was pretty charged about that. Um, and yeah, and this week, they, my, this week, my Achilles feels about like it did before the race. It definitely doesn't feel like I did 47 miles of racing plus seven miles of warming up and cooling down over the weekend. So that's good. So... Eric, I want to hear about your shoes, but first, George, are you like in a taper now? I mean, you have nine days, probably less if you think about yeah. six hours ahead, right? So you probably have eight days, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm, um, until Berlin. I'm going back and forth. So it's Friday, um, as I think we referred to a couple yeah. of times. Yeah, it's Friday in Atlanta here. And and so I'm, yeah, uh, roughly eight to nine days out. Um, this time next week, I will be in Berlin. Um, right. And so I'm going back and forth as to whether I'm going to do a workout this afternoon or just do an easy run this afternoon. Um, so I'll do something this afternoon, but I'm not sure what it's going to be yet. Um, and, and so, so yeah, I honestly don't know the answer to that question. If I do a workout, it's not quite going to be a taper workout. It's going to be like a legit workout. Um, right. um, but I, I don't, I just, I'm not confident that I would necessarily benefit from doing a workout today. Right. Um, so, so I'm, uh, we'll see. I haven't quite decided yet okay. after today. Starting tomorrow, I am definitely in taper mode at that point. <laughs> okay. Um, okay, Eric, I know you started the race in the New Balance um, Super Comp trainer, and I made a comment. Did you did you go out in those shoes in order to save your legs from the get go? And you said yes. Um, so this is your second pair of those. And what else did you wear? Like, did you stick with them the whole time? Or I mean, that is a really good shoe for you. I feel like that is a beloved shoe of yours. It is a beloved shoe, and I, I did not stick with it the whole time. So I had my New Balance Super Comp, New Balance Fuel Cell Fuel Super cell, Comp right. Trainer <laughs> Version 1, and then I had a pair of Saucony Endorphin Pro Version 2s, and then I had a pair of Saucony Endorphin Speed Version 3s. 3s, okay. Yeah, so, so that was... That was Three pairs of shoes only. That's a low for me. And I, I wore all three of them also. So, but to answer your question, yes, early in the race, I said, I'm going to wear the uh, super comps because that's going to save my legs. And that's what I've learned. I can put 70 mile weeks in, 70 plus mile weeks in multiple weeks at high mileage on those shoes and my legs aren't suffering. I suffer more energy than I do legs. Mm -hmm. So I wore those early. And then and these are your I, second pair of the version ones, this, right? Yeah, it's my second pair of the okay. version ones. After putting six hundred and sixty miles right. on the first yeah. pair, <laughs> yeah, these are these were basically brand new. Right, they had been running twice, I think. So you haven't even um, tried the version twos, which have been out for a few months. That is correct. Okay, because um, I got a pair of version ones for super cheap, and I figured awesome. they worked. Why get a second pair? Totally. Or why get a different pair? Yeah. So, so two things I know about that shoe though is you can compress the foam. And it loses its ability to be as great a shoe it is as it is. And two, I sweat so much, I can actually soak the foam with sweat. And then the shoe becomes a little bit 
heavy and not so much fun to run in for many reasons. Yeah. So on the fourth leg, well, that's gross, but I, keep going. <laughs> yeah, that is gross. It's a reality of, of who I am. Um, on the fourth leg, I switched out and I think I ran in my um, endorphin speeds, uh, that version three endorphin speed simply because I I'd planned, I'll just keep running in the super comps. I was like, you know, by the end of the race, they won't be any good. Like I won't be able to run in them anymore. Huh. Um, so I switched out and then I went back to the super comps, uh, for a couple of legs. And then I ran, I ran two legs. I can't remember exactly which ones in these, uh, pros, the reason why I ran in the pros for those two legs, though, was because those two legs were primarily uphill. It was 31 and 35, I think I ran in them. And you you, you wore your super comps for 31. I remember that. I did wear them. Okay. I wore the super yeah, comps. Lee, for Lee and I took note of it when you came by. Okay. You took note of it. I get it was one of the other legs and then 35 because after 31, 35 is two miles uphill, 450 feet per mile. I was like, I, I'm not really concerned about cushioning <laughs> i'm more concerned about getting up the hill yeah and so i switched out to the 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 pros the the Saucony pros um i think that strategy worked out really well because although at the end of the race i was tired uh george might have sent you a picture of me sleeping at mellow mushrooms um <laughs> mellow mushroom when we were having lunch. might have sent might i don't know might have sent um, might have gotten posted to the mpe instagram story i don't know you would have no maybe. idea eric because you're not maybe. on social yeah, media i don't but. do the instagram so me and the social media aren't one but my legs you know, on the trip home. And once I got home, other than my Achilles being a little bit sore, my legs feel pretty damn good. I mean, I think running right. in plated shoes, doing primarily the the super comps really saved my legs. Right on. Very good. So let me say two other quick things about shoes. One is that we this year for the first time, and it took us six years to figure out to do this. We took those shoe hangers they're like the the pockets that you can hang over your closet and put all your shoes in in your closet, you know. We took two of those and we attached them to the back doors of the van. Yeah, the van uh, looks good. And and we and we put our shoes all in that. And and not only was that a really good idea and it was super functional and it was really helpful um, to not have literally just shoes all over the place, but I probably had more conversations with people from other teams. <laughs> about that shoe rack then i've had conversations with people from other teams about every other topic for the last five years combined like, oh yeah 100 ev every stop every time we stopped the van somebody came up to me and said hey i really like what y'all did there like if we if half of the people that talk to us about them do it next year it's going to be like standard across the blue ridge relay um, I, I was, it's, it's a great idea. And like I said, my, my, my running joke to anybody who actually complimented him was like, yeah, it took us six years to figure that out. Um, I was so but... surprised that you've never, besides the other reconfiguration to the van, I was so surprised that that was a new mm -hmm. system for storing shoes. Like where did the shoes go before? Just all over the floor? Wherever. Yeah. 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 Oh, so, so I usually our... carried a big duffel bag and mm -hmm. dropped all my shoes in the duffel bag and swapped yeah. them out and just had that one pair of shoes I'm wearing out, out of the yeah. duffel bag. 
this year, our van organization in a nutshell this year, everything was just kind of put away more. Everything was more in the back of the van. And so in the past, we've become much more accustomed just having sort of stuff everywhere. Um, And and one thing I I came to realize is that I've become accustomed to having sort of my stuff in multiple places. Um, And so I need to adjust to to the new setup of the van where everything's kind of in one place sort of put away in the back. Um, The other thing I'll say about shoes um, is that there was a guy who ran the entire thing solo. Um, he started on Thursday night and and took off and had a crew, you know, just like you would have an ultra marathon, and did 206 miles, did all 36 stages himself. And he's a wow. veteran of the Blue Ridge Relay. He's normally on a team that's called something like uh, Three Gazelles, Two Goats, and an Englishman or something <laughs> like that. Um, yeah. that that's what it's it's called some combination of those numbers and he's the englishman in the group i think and so this year it was no goats no gazelles just an englishman um which i thought was a clever team name for this one guy very clever um, but but he we we caught up with him uh when we were sitting there waiting for eric to come running up 31 because we pulled off on the side of the road to cheer for him um this guy kind of comes walking past us with another guy who's not wearing a number and we were like wait a second that's the soloist that's so and cool. then he made it up to the top of 31 before Eric did. And then we talked to his crew um, when we were at the exchange area between 31 and 32. Um, and they said it was going well. He was sleeping at the time um, in their in their truck. Um, and uh, he uh, ultimately finished uh, the race. He actually beat uh, three teams that were ruck teams he actually so so he he ended up beating other people in the race that that had more than one person. what was he wearing george well so so all of that was basically a build-up to say when he passed us on stage 31 michelle what shoes do you think he was wearing oh my gosh three guesses three guesses come on I, and, I, and i'll give you a hint number one i'll give you two hints number one it was not the pair of shoes i would expect to see him wearing adidas boston's close oh the, very close and number two the, the audios pro threes no no number two it's a pair of shoes we've talked about a lot on this podcast we all own them the edges nope nope but you're getting closer oh oh the atsus he was wearing the adidas, exactly. Terex adidas Terex Speed Speed Ultras. Ultras. he was wearing the, the the trail shoes that we all consider sort of light duty trail shoes um on a road wow. ultra marathon. Yeah. He literally went past his house. Like, is he wearing Adidas? 200 miles in those on the roads? Yeah. I, so he probably switched out shoes for a couple of different yeah. things. Right. Yeah, um, and so, so, so we don't know whether he wore those the entire time, but he clearly wore them for long sections of the race on the road. Yeah. Yeah. He wore them for a 6.7 mile road leg that has 4.7 miles of elevation gain or, yeah. or of climbing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's wild. Not necessarily um, the one I would have thought to, to use, but yeah. No. Um, so, he said, by the way, when we talked to his crew, they said the biggest surprise was how long it took anybody to catch them. Um, when we were talking to one of the volunteers at 27, when Brett and I were waiting for Eric to come in there on 27, which we've talked about a few times here, they said that he was the first person to come through 27. And so nobody caught him until like 3.30 in the morning on Saturday morning. Um, which somewhere around like leg 29, leg 30, something like that. And then, like I said, we caught him in between 31 and 32. So um, 
pretty incredible, pretty amazing, and pretty lonely. <laughs> I was gonna say that's pretty um, lonely for for um, for a while. It took a day and a half for anybody to actually catch up with him. So, so yeah. there's the two things that really stuck out. Not that George, you didn't have meaningful stuff to say, but both from Eric. <laughs> One is in even my experience, both working with a registered dietitian and running a bunch of trail and ultra stuff. You know, the last year or two. Pringles are like the go-to real food in ultra. And really? I think it's I thought I, be... I, I I thought I had discovered no. that on my own. Every time I would um no Pringles, I feel like are just uh everywhere um okay. on the trail and ultra scene. And I think it's because um as opposed to like Chex Mix or Fritos, they're a lot easier mm-hmm. to get down, especially yeah. if your mouth is dry, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the other thing about them, and this goes also to what I know Eric had talked about and has been working on, is they have a substantial amount of salt in them. Yeah. And the other thing that makes me think of the salt is I don't know that there's, it feels like there's nothing that can either hurt you or help you as quickly as if you have a salt imbalance and figuring out which one it is in the middle mm-hmm. while you're still running. Yeah. Because it feels like when you can figure out the salt, if you're in the lowest of the low and you're missing salt and you add salt, you feel it so quickly. Mm-hmm. It, it seems like a bigger turnaround to me than just fuel or gels on their own. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, um, that, and, that's, and that's one of the reasons why salt, salt is such a popular thing, right? Like not only putting sodium in drinks, but literal like like base salt. salt. Yeah, right. You know, like like little packets of salt. Um, that's why yeah. it's such a popular thing is because even if it's not the appropriate approach, a lot of people have had experiences where they were, you know, at the lowest of lows, like you said, and they took some sort of salt and they felt a near immediate difference for sure. Um, yeah. you know, one, one other thing about the Pringles, I, I didn't know that they were a go-to ultra food. Like, like I said, I, I literally just kind of discovered that on my own over the course of the past five, four or five years, but it makes sense. Another thing about them is, as you probably know, they're not potato chips, they're potato right. crisps, right? Um, yeah. Because they're made from ground up potatoes, and so there's a degree to which they're already kind of pre-digested. Um, they're pre-digested listen. and they're uniform, right? Mm-hmm. It's yeah. not like I'm taking a handful of chips. I can actually mm-hmm. count. And you know, for someone who's trying to like meter that out, that's what mm-hmm. I was doing. I was like, okay, there's my stack. Eat those and move on. Yeah. So yeah. I think it's a. Yeah. I I think you're totally right. Yeah. Yeah, I'm never right. taking potato chips again. I didn't. <laughs> but even okay. I worked with Megan Featherstone, you know, Featherstone Nutrition, even just before um, that dreaded 50K that we ran last year, or maybe it's this year. Gosh, it's still this year, isn't it? Um, you know, and even when I would say <laughs> I was January, be, yeah, yeah, it was, was early like, in January. the year. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Um, but every time I would try to just figure out like a better real food option for if I got sick of the gels or if I couldn't down them. Um, I mean, she just said like unequivocally her ultra runners go to Pringles as like a first just, hmm. yeah. I mean, honestly, my experience of taking potato chips at 43 miles in Leadville hmm. was I was, I was hoping for the Pringle effect. And I promise you there is a difference between real potato chips and Pringles. Yeah. Real potato chips might kill you your GI system and Pringles definitely won't. So you guys should, you, you need more Pringles next year than <laughs> so, you think you do. <laughs> I think so too. Well, it's funny because the reason why I chose them in the first place, like four well, or five years ago. Curve. Yeah, uh, you were I ahead know, of the clearly. science. But the yeah. reason why I chose them was not nearly this thoughtful. 
Um, the reason why I chose them is the same one of the same reasons why I choose Starburst jelly beans is because I really like the taste of those things and I don't eat them any other time um, because they they don't have any redeeming nutritional value. Right. Um, but they can provide quick sugar or quick carbohydrates and a lot of salt, um, which is something that you need when you're in between legs of a multi leg relay. Right. Yeah. Um, and so. So, yeah, these are all things that that certainly we can apply when we do the. Peyton's wild and wacky 10 by 5k in March, right, Michelle? Gosh, that was a fast sellout. Is that, does it do that every year? <laughs> no, it did sell out in under half an hour and I signed up for it. And Michelle, you signed up for it. And Eric, did you sign up for the solo or are you doing a relay? Uh, Melissa and I are running the relay and Grace is running the solo. All right. Um, Brett from our team who lives in Mount Pleasant, who has done that race every year that's been done. This is going to be the ninth annual one. Uh, and so when he finishes the race this year, he will have done 90 laps or 95 Ks as part of that 10 by 5 K race uh, is doing it. Um, who else from our team is doing it? And what shoes is Brett going to wear, guys? <laughs> Brett's going to wear Hoka Bondi's. Probably the same pair. <laughs> I can't pair he's... believe it. <laughs> so he's probably currently wearing Hoka Bondi's. Uh, so, you know, if he's listening to this podcast, uh, look down, Brett. Chances are you're wearing Bondi's. Um, who else is doing it, Eric? I'm not sure. I know Lee is is riding the Croatan, so he won't be he won't mm -hmm. be out there. And I can't remember if Brian signed up or not. Okay. Dave probably did not. Dave um, probably did not. So the only outlier <laughs> would be Brian. Yeah. All right. All right. We'll have I to mean, figure out whether Brian's. So Brian did do it last year and finished third, um, which is pretty cool. Yeah. I, I have a cat. I'm registered because of the, the fear of when I looked and it was only like 32 slots left. I registered. I'm not like definitely available. Um, I, I'm hoping to be, but I just, I don't, <laughs> you know, I don't want it to be, I don't know, January, February, March. And I realize I, I can't do it and you guys are like, you promise. And it's like, no, 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 no. Oh, that's, I didn't promise. <laughs> know this, Michelle, if you start trying to back out in January, February, for that matter, if you start trying to back out in November, we're totally going to say that. <laughs> it's so unfair. It's your, your, your registration is your bond, Michelle. <laughs> but my registration comes with like, um, you know, comes like, with the expectation that you're going to compete in the race with your podcast. Kind of it no, it's the yeah, I, I really want to do you this, for races but I don't you're going to run. I, exactly. I really right. <laughs> and on that note, let's bring it to an end. Uh, Eric, I enjoyed obviously doing the Blue Ridge Relay with you, but but talking to you about the Blue Ridge Relay here on the podcast as well. Um, it was interesting hearing your perspective. Um, having read your your reflections, I was eager to, to talk to you about it and get a little bit more depth. So So thanks for sharing, man. Uh, I always appreciate talking about Blue Ridge Relay almost as much as Michelle does. Um, so <laughs> I'm here, aren't I? I can't wait until we start planning the next Blue Ridge Relay so we can start the conversation up again. I figure it'll be in about a month or so. Yeah, so. I'm already planning. I, you know, I, I did ask Brett on Sunday, or not Brett, obviously Lee, to post a new spreadsheet, and he did on Sunday <laughs> night. And I've already, I was going to say, I already 100%. put my name in. I already put my yeah. name in the legs that I'm kind of eyeing, and and. This time next year, I'll probably be regretting the fact that I, I staked out those legs, but we'll see. Well, uh, let's give Michelle a break and maybe we'll start talking about it again while we're all together um, in Huntsville for Mountain Mist. That sounds good. That sounds this good. Is, this is the stupidest <laughs> joke at this point. Like there's nobody that listens to this podcast that believes we're going there. Like at least not me. <laughs> there might be some listeners who do, but at least one host does it's not. So unlikely. <laughs> um, Michelle. Thanks for talking to us about the Blue Ridge Relay. It was fun. 
it's my favorite topic. I wouldn't miss it for the world. Right on, right on. Thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks again for joining us for another episode of the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash pleasantpodcast, on Twitter at pleasantpodcast, on Instagram at mostpleasantexhaustion. We're available on Stitcher, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Be sure to share us with your friends. We're brought to you by ITL Coaching and Performance, who you can find at itlcoaching.com. Their Twitter is at itlcoaching, and their Facebook group is facebook.com slash itlcoachingandperformance. You can find them on Instagram at itlcoaching. We're also proud to be sponsored by Elemental Altitude, Atlanta's best and only altitude training facility. You can find them at elementalaltitude.com, on Instagram at elementalaltitude, or on Facebook at facebook.com slash elementalaltitude. Blue Pineapple Travel can be found at bluepineappletravel.com, on Facebook at facebook.com slash bluepineappletravel, or on Instagram at bluepineappletravel. And finally, High Echelon. You can find High Echelon at highechelonCPA.com. On behalf of Michelle Frank, Patrick Ollinger, and Eric Hall, I'm George Darden. Thanks for listening to the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast. We'll see you next time.